0: good news good news good news welcome to this good news friday edition of the bottom line show i'm roger marsh and so grateful to you know, a funny thing happened the other day we were um actually we were doing a giveaway it was on a thursday and the the way we do the giveaways here at the bottom line show is i'll give out the phone number you call in you win a prize or 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 no. not i mean with the, not everybody calls in and when the other day we had one pair of we had one or two uh movie ticket giveaways whatever it was we had 12 people call in you know to get in the, the, the drawing for it and so uh then the gals here in the office will call the winners back you know and say oh just want to verify your phone number you know other addresses and oh by the way we drew your name and it was funny because one of the winners <laughs> this is on thursday but she's, the, the office called and said, uh, hi, is this, you know, whatever. And she said, yeah. And then the listener said, good news, good news, good news. <laughs> and, and we all had a great chuckle about it. But it, she said, well, I know tomorrow's Good News Friday. And that's what I wanted to, you know, I, just, I love that whenever Roger does that. And I, I like to do it too. I just, it's kind of a hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. But also I do it because it, it took me a long time when I was a boy growing up, true story, grew up going to church. My dad was a choir director we grew up in i was born in the early 60s you know this is when boys wore clip-on ties and hard shoes and dress slacks and girls wore dresses and uh you know had lace gloves and you know it was kind of formal traditional and we had to stay for two services which was torture if you were five or six years of age and uh, i remember that i would my sister and i would sit in the back of the uh, oneana congregational church in south pasadena california and linda had a little purse which is funny because she never carries a purse and she, um, I would take my clip-on tie, and I would whisper in probably the loudest stage whisper ever, can I put my tie in your purse? And she would take it. My parents would watch us do it, and they they thought it was great fun. But it's, it's interesting, because when you think about this, one of the hymns we used to sing on a regular basis was Holy, 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 right? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I would sing that, and I thought, you know, Holy, 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 why do we sing Holy, Holy, Holy? Why do we sing it? Uh, and then God in three persons, blessed Trinity. I never made the connection until I was probably in college that the reason we sang holy, holy, holy is because God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's who we worship, that's who we honor, that's who we glory. So I realized that when I say good news, good news, good news on these Good News Friday programs, it does have kind of a Trinitarian type of feel to it lest anybody get a little bent out of shape over the fact that there's no actual mention of something called the Holy Trinity in Scripture. There's also no mention of an Apostles' Creed. There's also no mention of the Lord's Prayer. Those are all names that we have given, you know, when Jesus says, you know, uh, when you pray, pray like this. Well, that's the prayer our Lord taught us, so we call it the Lord's Prayer. When we do the statement of faith, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, if you've ever uh, shared the uh, the Apostles' Creed, in your church, if you're part of a church congregation that does that on a regular basis, it's a good way to remind yourself of who we are as Christians. It's kind of a universal, these are the basics of what Christians believe. But you can't turn to, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 and say, where does it say the Apostles' Creed? Um, It doesn't say that. And in the same way, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not referred to in Scripture as the Holy Trinity. That's something that we do, okay? But nonetheless, you know, it, it, we, would, uh, we would be wise as Christians to not make mountains out of molehills, to not divide over smaller issues, but rather to have larger issues because this is definitely a time now when we in the body of Christ need to lock arms and need to join forces. I'm not calling for a militant uprising in the body of Christ. Please don't misunderstand that. But if you look at Ephesians chapter 6 and you see was it verse 10 through 18, where Paul describes putting on the full armor of God. And he does so in military terms, of course, and I think that it's a good way for us to to understand the uh, attire that soldiers would wear. But it's also something to remember when we're doing battle in spiritual warfare because in case you have not noticed, we have always been engaged in spiritual warfare. It's just getting more intense. There is always been, people will go on and on about how America is a Christian nation, for example. I believe America is a nation founded on Christian principles. <clears throat> I think one of the ways that America has come together as a nation is because people of faith have sought to organize and to work together. But I mean, we, America's history is replete with examples of one European group coming in and knocking over another Native American group or, or whatever. There's been a lot of bloodshed. There's been a lot of forced labor. There's been you know people who were in, enslaved here in the U.S., as there were in other parts of the world. I mean, the slave trade was not, hey, let's get a bunch of people in Africa and sell them to the U.S. I mean, there were, there were people of all different backgrounds that were indentured into slavery, forced into it. You see references to slavery in scripture and that's more of an indentured, hey, I can't pay my debt type of thing, not the kind of organized slave trade that we saw that built this nation. So it's, it's kind of tough for us as Christians to say, well, America's a Christian nation, but 20% of the population when we first started here were enslaved, but that's okay because we're still a Christian nation. Founded on biblical principles, but then here's God saying, hand a providence on our nation, yes, because America should have failed a long time ago were it not for the hand of providence. And yet there are ways that we could still do a better job of what we do. But one advantage America has seemingly had for the last 240 years, excuse me, is that the default position of good versus evil was scripture. Laws were written in this country based on the tenets of scripture. You know, the Ten Commandments say you shouldn't do these things. Those became laws of the land. Now, it didn't mean that people didn't do them. I mean, people did do them. And it didn't mean that laws weren't written to try to usurp, scoot around, you know, kind of uh, uh, work past them or around them. There's always going to be some evil ding-dong who tries to do something in that way. But for us as Christians, as much as it pertains to us, we need to live in lives that are according to God's will and according to biblical principles. One of the things that we're seeing more commonly in the culture is instead of someone who runs for a political office, for example, used to be, oh, that's a good church-going guy, that woman's part of a family that's part of a faith tradition, we we would always see that as a positive. But nowadays, we live in a world where it's seen more and more negatively, and the reason I call for Christians to come together, not to mount a full military attack, but I want to read to you Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20, Paul's final greetings to the church at Ephesus, where he talks about the armor of God. And listen to one description in particular that you may have overlooked or you may not have thought of recently that I want to encourage you to think about again. Paul writes verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. there are those who in our culture would say, you know what, as Christians, we gotta put on the full armor of God and attack. We've gotta put on the full armor of God and and take the territory. We're gonna take back the government, we're gonna take back the culture, we're gonna this, that, and the other thing. When you read Ephesians chapter six, I don't see Paul telling us to do that. I see Paul telling us to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you be, be able to do what? To stand your ground. The full armor of God is there the way I interpret this in a purely defensive position. When someone comes after you asking you why you do what you do in faith, 1 Peter 3.15 says, we are to share the reason that we believe, the hope that we have within us, with gentleness and respect. Verse 13, put on the full armor of God. Don't go walking around in the culture without it. As many people are wont to do, and I'll tell you what this is in just a moment but then it's when the day of evil comes you'll be able to stand your ground they'll attack you with flaming arrows attacking your faith and you'll be you've got the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith bam 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 you can just knock that stuff out of the way it doesn't mean that we're going to advance but there's something about that breastplate of righteousness and shield of faith that i think we're wise to understand And i'm going to give you an example of how we in prayer have helped to do so for a woman who was running for political office in England and wound up uh, facing some pretty stiff competition because of her Christian faith and how she has prevailed in the court system, not necessarily by attacking, but by standing her ground. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Great story to share, a success story out of England. A sister of ours in Christ has prevailed in a legal battle that saw her facing basically illegal discrimination, uh, trying to prevent her from running for mayor of her town simply because of her Christian faith. And I was referring back to Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 6 in verses 10 through 18, verse 17 rather, where he talks about putting on the full armor of God. And in verse 13, Paul says, therefore put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And then he describes the armor. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Think about that, how that holds you together. It covers your midsection. If you were wearing some kind of trousers, the belt of truth keeps your pants from falling down. I realized the Roman soldiers, they had the little skirt thing, but whatever. So you've got the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as if God were making his appeal directly through us. Verse 21, verse 20, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, the rightness, if you will. That breastplate that you use and wear over your chest that protects your heart is the righteousness in place. Your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace you can move forward, you can stand firm, you don't have to worry about the potential for getting knocked over because you are literally wearing the shoes of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, let's go back to that shield of faith for just a moment. Verse 16, The shield that a Roman soldier would have worn had a little hook on the inside for you to hold it up so you could, you know, you got one hand holding the shield and the other hand holding your weapon. But the shields all had an interlock on one side, or on either side, I should say, so that if you were going ahead as a squadron, you could interlock your shields of faith and move forward together. You can't do that if one of you is out there without true faith. In Christ. Think about the person who says, I am a soldier for the Lord. I am a Christian. I have believed that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ pays the penalty for my sin. I believe that God raised him from the dead, that I am now saved. But do you wear the helmet of salvation into battle? If you don't, any crazy idea that comes out from the culture is going to whap you in the head and knock you off course. Do you know the word of God? The word of God is the weapon that literally we see in scripture. Paul tells us that the word of God, well, the writer of Hebrews. I'm not going to surmise that that's Paul. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Here's Paul referring back to that there. It could separate truth from error, just in the same way that the sword separates bone from marrow. When you have the shield of faith, you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one that come at you. Here comes the arrow. Pew! Here's the shield. Pew! And there goes the arrow. Flaming, falls to the ground, doesn't hurt you, doesn't hurt anyone else. In other words, when the enemy attacks you and says, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that, blah, 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 you don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to be proven right or proven. you're going to be proven wrong because you put up that shield of faith and blah, there it goes, blah. there it goes, this. it just falls down. The breastplate of righteousness that guards your heart because you're being sanctified in your faith and for your faith. The belt of truth buckled around your waist, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. When you have these moments where your faith is in fact challenged, the full armor of God will protect you as you do battle and help you to stand your ground. For example, a housing association got into it with a Christian mayoral candidate who was terminated because she committed the unpardonable sin these days, which is she actually had the audacity to describe marriage as a union between a man and a woman. Maureen Martin is our sister in Christ. She worked for L and O for 13 years in England before she was dismissed. She's the president of the Christian People's Alliance. She's an ordained ministry minister, and she worked for Illinois as a housing manager for 13 years before in May of 2020, she was fired. She was standing in the local mayoral elections when she published a manifesto where basically she outlined her political position. This is the kind of thing you'd expect from any candidate. As a Matter of fact, next year when the primaries happen, What you're going to see is you're going to get that thing in the mail that says, okay, here are what the propositions are all about, and here are the candidates running for whatever they're running for, and here's who they are and what they believe. So-and-so is a registered Democrat, has been a businessman for, you, you, you know those things. In her manifesto, Maureen Martin said that she pledged, quote, to cut through political correctness and simply state the truth that natural marriage between a man and a woman is the fundamental building block for a successful society and the safest environment for raising children. Whoa, Nelly! <laughs> look out, hang on. Oh my goodness, what did she just say there? Now, for openers, I, not only did she speak truth, she spoke it very boldly. I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to remember the last time a Christian candidate for anything here in the U.S. would put something like that in print. She's running for local mayor in her town in England. And I mean, she's running for the mayor of Lewisham. And she put that in her manifesto, just very matter-of-factly. As mayor, I will cut through political correctness and simply state the truth. The natural marriage between a man and a woman is the fundamental building block for a successful society and the safest environment for raising children. Now, if she had spoken that on PBS or NPR with her lovely, delightful English accent, Uh, I pledge to cut through the political correctness and simply state the truth. The natural marriage between a man and a woman is the fundamental building block for a successful society and the safest environment for raising children. She might have gotten a pass because someone would have just paid attention to, oh, here's a woman of color and she's got this English accent and she's on PBS and NCR, or NPR rather. See, I want to say NCR, National Crawford Roundtable, instead of NPR, National Public Radio, but you get the idea. Um. (laughs) (laughs) This is how the English reported this. She was later investigated for gross misconduct after three complaints were made alleging hate speech. And then the Christian legal sentry with an R uh, R at the end um, reported that she had been sacked. So um, basically, you have to wonder. Now, three people complained that our sister in Christ actually had the audacity to suggest that her political position, she, Maureen Martin, ordained minister, Christian woman, and mayoral candidate in Lewisham, in England. Uh, She said, I believe that marriage is what God intended between a man and a woman. And three people complained that she had committed gross misconduct and uh, hate speech. And so her company of 13 years fired her So what's the outcome though? Because she filed a claim and said, you know, here's the deal. And uh, this is what I believe. And now I've lost my job. I've been sacked. Well, she uh, actually got involved with the Christian Legal Center in England. She challenged her dismissal. She said that actually it wasn't gross negligence on her part, but she was the one who had been discriminated against. And now the Housing Association has reached a settlement with her. How big is the settlement and how much support did she receive for being dismissed for gross m- misconduct simply for stating that biblical marriage is the truth? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line show. I'm Roger Marsh and we are sharing a good news story here today uh, involving a woman who was running for the mayor of Lewisham, England last year. Maureen Martin is her name. Uh, She is the president of the Christian People's Alliance. She's an ordained minister and worked as a housing manager for LNO, which is an English designation, for 13 years. Last year during the election, though, in her manifesto stating what her positions were for the things that she was running to support uh, for the mayor of Lewisham. And by the way, I'm going to Google this really quickly because um, I'm trying to find out. Uh, Let's uh, see, Lewisham, England Population okay what's the population of lewison how big is this town a uh, pretty good sized town uh population just under three hundred thousand people okay so fair enough i mean because so she's running for like i uh, think of orange county california she's running for the mayor of anaheim or something like that well that's cool anyway she was investigated and then f- subsequently <laughs> the, the press release says sacked for gross misconduct after having the audacity to say that she believed in natural marriage quote Uh, Her manifesto said she would pledge to cut through political correctness and simply state the truth, that natural marriage between a man and a woman is the fundamental building block for a successful society. It's also the safest environment for raising children. Now, Eleanor received three, count them, three complaints accusing her of gross misconduct and quote unquote hate speech. So the company fired her. Well, the Christian Legal Center challenged her dismissal, claiming that it wasn't her discriminating against same-sex couples, but it was actually she was the one who was discriminated against. The Secretary of State for Work and Pensions was then hit with a petition to amend the Employment Rights Act of 1996 to protect free speech. And Maureen Martin was victorious. According to the Christian Legal Center, she has now reached a substantial payout From the housing association though they didn't emphasize how much the dollar amount was and then she said i know god brought me through this situation and i cannot emphasize more the importance of christians taking a stand when being discriminated against if you don't challenge you walk away with nothing and the employer who discriminated against you believes that they have done nothing wrong and are likely to treat someone else similarly i believe this is an example of ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 where paul says you put on the full armor of god and you can stand your ground. Don't see this as her going on the offensive. But look what happened. This is a town of nearly 300,000 people she's running for mayor for. You know how many people signed the petition supporting her to get the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions to amend the Employment Rights Act to specifically say that a Christian espousing biblical views is engaging in free speech? You know how many people signed it? 42,000! There were three people who complained that got her fired from her job of 13 years. But when she took a stand, when she stood her ground, biblically, 42,000 people said, yeah, we will stand our ground too. And you know what? They were all wearing the helmet of salvation. They were all wearing the shoes of peace. They all had the breastplate of righteousness. They all had the belt of truth. They all had the sword of the spirit. They all had the shield of faith. But they did not necessarily go and attack. What they did was they stood their ground. The good news of the gospel today, brothers and sisters, I think is oftentimes Christians will either not engage because they are concerned that something like this might happen. I might lose my job and what happens if that happens? Or they overengage. Let's storm the White House. Let's, you know, to make America great again. Ah, we have clubs and torches and... We, Guys, I don't think as Christians, we have to get involved in violent protest. But it's amazing how many people will take a stand for the unborn, for example. They'll go to a 40 Days for Life event and just stand outside an abortion clinic and pray. They'll call preborn at 833-850-BABY and make a donation. Uh, my, My wife and I have committed to making a donation now on a monthly basis. so inspired by bottom line listeners who've been doing that that uh, i was finishing up recording the national Profit roundtable podcast a couple weeks ago and lisa came back and she goes oh by the way (laughs) i said absolutely sweetheart absolutely that's how we wear the armor of god in the public square and stand our ground you don't have to go militant you don't have to go militia like but god gives us these weapons the helmet the sword the shield the breastplate the buckle of the belt, and the shoes to stand our ground in the culture. Ultimately, remember, there are lots of little battles that are going to happen along the way, but Jesus won the war. We're on the winning team. We're part of the winning body of believers. But let's share the good news, not necessarily by storming the castle, but by rather standing firm in our faith and standing our ground. That's the good news, and that's the bottom line
2: don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you they're not they want you to call them after you're in an accident but you shouldn't handle that alone that's where stephanie cover of cover law shines with 20 years of insurance industry experience she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights insurance companies pretend to be your partner but in reality their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible when you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact Cape Bright's personal injury attorney today at capewrightradiocom slash you won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. Good news, good news, good news.
0: Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I get to say this at the start of each half hour because uh, we've got people who tune in at different times, but the 3.30 to 4 o'clock Pacific time is the half hour when the whole family's together, so that's where we are right now. I'm Roger Marsh, your tour guide for Good News Friday. It's all about relationships and friendships and God's economy. And during the next half hour, we're going to talk about how you can prioritize your connection to Christ and prioritize your connection to your friends. Uh, Becky Harling's going to join me in just a moment here for a conversation about that topic. It's a Good News Friday and a giveaway Friday as well, uh, 800-227-5278. We have three copies of Becky Harling's book to give away, and once you hear this conversation that we're about to have, I think you're going to be clamoring for it, so I'll give you the phone number right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's a good Friday giveaway on this Good News Friday edition of the program. Let's get into it. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to talk about a way that you can experience one of the fruits of the Spirit, or or a fruit of the Spirit, if you will, that oftentimes people miss out on because there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, Becky Harling has a degree in biblical literature. She's a popular speaker at retreats and conferences. Uh, Her life experience includes pastor's wife, parent, grandparent, women's ministry leader, and survivor of cancer as well. Uh, She's the author of numerous books and has a brand new one out that is very, very popular and just came out a couple weeks ago. It's called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends, and it helps us to find out that the secret to a more joyful life might be something that would surprise you. Becky Harling, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Hey,
3: it is great to be with you.
0: You know, as I love talking to survivors because there are so many people who are just going through something. You know, you see those things on social media all the time saying, hey, everyone's going through something, be patient. Uh, How did your relationship with Joy and the Lord change after you had that battle with breast cancer?
3: That is such a great question. And nobody's asked me that before. And I love that question. Uh, Okay, so for me... The answer was very clarifying. You know, I was still in the thick of raising my kids mm-hmm. when I was diagnosed. And a mentor challenged me to praise God every day leading up to my surgery. And Mm. I remember thinking at the time, this is the most ridiculous challenge I've ever been given. I hardly feel like jumping up and down saying, hallelujah, I have cancer, you know, (laughs) but that challenge changed my life because the more time I spent in the presence of Christ, the more joy filled me. And the more I realized, okay, life is short I've got to be investing in relationships more yes. deeply. And that's really the key to more joy.
0: You know, I think when when you talk about that investment and the fact that someone challenged you to do this, I, I was reading an account. It was an article written by Andrew Brunson, American pastor uh-huh. who spent a couple of years in Iran. And he talked about why he, he said there was a period where it felt like my prayers weren't being answered. Obviously, I'm stuck in this prison. I'm separated from my family. And he said, God's response was, worship me. Yeah. And he said, okay, what What do you mean worship you? I'm in solitary confinement. Worship you. Yeah. He goes, worship me. How would you worship me? And so he said, all of a sudden, I start thinking about songs. And he goes, I'm a terrible dancer. And I dance before the Lord in this tiny little cell. He said, it was amazing how transformational it was. So by the time I got out of the prison, I came out, not with bitterness, but with praise on my lips. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that as you're talking about this, you know, in terms of Prioritizing your connection to Christ and the relationships, and digging in, a lot of people are missing out on the rich, you know, soil you know, that that has the nutrients to develop this this joy that's cultivated. Talk about where do you begin, you know, in terms of you know the fact that there are some people saying, "Hey, I'm kind of a lone wolf here. I don't have a lot of friendships. I don't have a lot of relationships. What kind of relationships should I be looking for?"
3: So here's the thing, God designed us for relationship. He designed us, first of all, for intimacy with him, but then for relationship and deep community with others. And, you know, as Americans, um, and I don't know if any of your audiences oversee, but I find this to be more true here in America than I have overseas. And I've traveled a lot um, that here in America, we really value independence. Yes. But that's nowhere in scripture will you find independence affirmed by God because mm-hmm. he didn't create us that way. He designed us for community. And so the what I like to tell people is if you don't have friendships, you've got to change the narrative in your head. And then you've got to take initiative because the narrative in your head is saying, oh, I am lonely. I'm not a good friend. I'm not good enough to be a friend. You got to change that because God wired you to be a good friend. So you've got to, first of all, change the narrative in your head. And then you've got to take initiative. You know, I've met some people who say, well, I, I can't take initiative because I'm not a good conversationalist. You know right. what? The key to being a great conversationalist is just learn how to ask a few great questions. You keep Mm -hmm. the other person talking and you don't really even have to worry about saying anything (laughs) because everybody (laughs) loves to talk about themselves.
0: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So
3: that's where I would suggest.
0: (laughs) That's a good, that's great counsel from Becky Harling today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, Becky's book is called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You've chosen the book of Philippians as your basis for all of this. And I think a lot of people, when we think of the, the very quotable passages from Paul's letter to the Church of Philippi, we think of, I could do all things through him who gives me strength, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, There's lots of things there. But oftentimes we miss the fact that part of what necessitated and facilitated the letter in the first place, wasn't it some relationship issues that were kind of really gnawing at the church? Talk about that.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, we see in the book of Philippians that Paul loved his friends in Philippi. You know, Mm. so right from the beginning of the letter, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I remember you always in my prayers. I'm confident in you that he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says many times in Philippians 1, I have you in my heart. I have you in my heart. And so we know for sure that Paul really valued his relationship with the Philippians. Now, there were two women in the church who were not getting along. Syntyche and Iodia, and Paul challenged them. He's like, you know, you got to get along. I urge you to lay aside your disagreements because you're part of the body of Christ. And we need those deep connections in the body of Christ in order to experience joy. So if you're going to focus on the conflict, you're likely not going to experience joy. You got to shift your focus.
0: Mm, and having the focus in the right place is so essential because you have seen this. I have too. Especially here in the American church right now, we're looking at a culture where many of us grew up uh, in a time where you know God and country say the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, we we just kind of trust that the Bible is the moral standard. I was talking to George Barna a couple of weeks ago, and George's new research at the uh, uh, American Worldview Inventory Study at American uh, Arizona Christian University indicated that one of the most shocking developments for him as a researcher, a guy who, as he says, I measure things. And I love that the way he describes that. He said, look, the biggest surprise in the culture right now is twofold. Number one, that the number of people who believe in moral absolutes actually went up during the pandemic. But number two, the number of people who use the Bible as their standard for moral absolutes went down. And so you begin to realize that now what you've got is people who say, oh, absolutely. There are moral standards, but- It's based on what I think, not on what God says. And and sometimes that creeps into the church and in Christian relationships, doesn't it?
3: You know, it really does. And what's interesting, um, I recently read a book also by, uh, by Glenn Packiam that mm. the Barna mm-hmm. group asked him to write. And it's right. very interesting because the pandemic— didn't create problems for the church. However, it revealed the state of the church. Yes, yes. And so we have a lot of people who formerly were part of a community. And now, you know, it's just easier to sit home in your jammies, drink coffee and watch it online. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that's always bad, but God designed us for community. And so you have a massive exodus out of the church and so it makes sense then that morality is still honored here in America. However, the standard might not be biblical.
0: Mm. And therein lies the rub. Uh, Becky Harling is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. brand-new book is called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. We have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. The book is divided into a couple different uh, sections, uh, sessions that take you through different types of joy, joy of friendships, joy of humility, joy of discovering your one thing, and the joy of peace, uh, relational and internally. Then there's also a seven-day follow-up devotional plan uh, that's in the book, too. It's very, very practical practical. practical and a very helpful resource. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to walk through these these joys, especially uh, the the thing about purpose, because I think a lot of folks are beginning to realize that the one thing that they had in life may not have been the one thing God had for them. Well, I'm going to talk about that with Becky Harling on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Becky Harling is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, author, speaker, and uh, the brand new resource is called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. We have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. And during the break, Becky, we were talking about specifically who you wrote this book for and these, uh, what you call it, the girlfriend gatherings. Talk about how yes. that, that comes together, because that doesn't sound like 10,000 women in a big auditorium.
3: No. So during COVID, you know, I was sitting there thinking and I, I mean, I have to be honest, I love a good stage. I love speaking from this stage to thousands of people. However, I began to realize, you know, some women are longing to be more real with each other in a small group and prior to COVID, some of my friends had gathered here in Colorado and we did our own like little girlfriend retreat, you know, and we shared our prayer requests. We read scripture over each other. We prayed over each other and it was so sweet. And I thought, you know, there needs to be material designed for women to get together with their close friends, dig into the word of God, get real with each other so that we're actually living in community like God created us for And so this book, Rooted Joy, is really the first in the Girlfriend Gathering series. There will be more coming out.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, I mentioned before the break in the book of Philippians, you've identified the joy of friendships joy of humility, the joy of discovering your one thing, the joy of peace, uh, whether it's internal peace or relational peace. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the joy of friendships and how important it was even for Paul to write to the church at Philippi and say, hey, look, you got two gals here who need to get your, <laughs> get it together here, you know? Yep. And, and and for all the times, you know, I, I've seen this social media meme a lot over the past year saying, boy, if the church in America was, uh, you know, part of scriptural time, we'd be getting a letter from Paul. You know, I mean, oh, we, yeah. we really need some help. He could be so direct and, hey, Corinthians, get your act together. But Philippians kind of says, hey, wait a minute, let's look at the things that he focuses on. Friendships, humility, things like that. Talk talk about how you have designed the sessions here.
3: Yeah, so um, I've designed the sessions. Like the first one is rooted in uh, Philippians 1. And so it really is... Uh, there's an accompanying video that's the power of affirmation and how important that is to affirm mm-hmm. your friends. The second uh, week I or the second lesson, it can be done on a weekend or a four-week short Bible study, uh, is on humility. And what part that plays in strengthening our relationships? Because I find that humility is often lacking in our relationships you yep. know we're a very me first culture we love to be the expert on things and <laughs> we got to lay that aside you know yeah. to be to walk humbly like Jesus does. And then in chapter three, of course, Paul says, I want to know Christ. And so that was the center of his purpose. That was his one thing. I want to know Christ. Everything else is going to flow out of that. And then Mm -hmm. the fourth uh, session is based on Philippians four, where Paul says, don't be anxious for anything, you know, instead, turn your panic into praise.
0: Mm-hmm. And that peace that passes all understanding. I mean, th- yeah. that's that's where you, you're you looking for it. Your desire is there and you find it You know in Christ. And I think the beauty of this is what Becky Harling is sharing with us today, her brand new book, Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends, which is up at TheBottomLineShow.com, is to say, hey, look, get that one thing together. I want to know Christ. And then this is how you get to know Christ. You abide in him by obeying his commands. You also abide in him by prioritizing your relationships and your friendships. What kind of feedback, Becky, I know the book's only been out a little while, but what kind of feedback are you getting from women who are saying, oh my gosh, this is a game changer in terms of helping me either reprioritize or maybe reestablish a relationship that might've been broken up?
3: You know, it's exciting. Exciting people. It's just been out a couple of weeks and people are excited about this. They're saying, Hey, I want to do this this summer because I'm missing my close friends yes. and I want to get serious about being honest with them and I want to journey together in my relationship with Christ. One fun thing about this book is that my daughter was actually my editor. I asked the oh, publishing right. company uh-huh. to hire her as my editor. And that was just all a whole lot of fun cuz she brought a lot to the book being my editor you know just helping me figure out girlfriend activities that would be fun and questions to really get women to share with each other so it was a really fun project and oh. so i'm it seems like it's being well received so i'm well, excited
0: i'm glad to hear that and and for anyone who's ever been involved in the that side of the publishing world your editor is your best friend or worst enemy all at the same time, right? (laughs) Because, you know, you submit your manuscript and then they're like, okay, let's get the fine-tuned comb out and, and do that. And so for you to have enough trust in your daughter to say to your publisher, hey, by the way, you know, if this thing is really going to hum, I think that speaks volumes. And, and I'm sure that care is all throughout the book in terms of a lot of women who, as they're getting older, maybe their daughters are in their adult years now. And, and it, the, the relationship didn't quite move from mother, daughter to friend and peer as they got older, as they would, were hoping. Or are you anticipating that a lot of there's going to be a lot of reconciliation between mothers and daughters through this resource?
3: I hope so. I mean, I think, you know, being the parent of adult kids now has been a whole lot of fun for me, you know, and did I do everything right as a parent? No, certainly not. In fact, there was one moment where Steve, my husband and I pulled all four of our kids together and their spouses, and we said to them, OK, give us feedback. What did we do mm-hmm. right? What did mm-hmm. we do wrong? The single thing that we did right that they all mentioned was that we apologized when we were wrong. Awesome. So for some of. <laughs> But, you know, mothers out there, I want to speak to you for a second, because I've heard recently about a lot of mothers who have broken relationships with their daughters. And I'm not saying my relationships with my daughters are perfect. I am saying if you have a broken relationship with your daughter and you want more joy in your life, begin with apologizing. You know, Because you didn't do everything right. None of us mm-hmm. did. So you apologize for what you did wrong. And then you say, this relationship is really important to me. So whatever it takes, I want to work on that. Because as I grow older, I want a deep relationship with you as my daughter. And I think that those words are life changing.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine Becky Harling with us today here on The Bottom Line, talking about the brand new book, Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. I would imagine, Becky, that that now that opens up the door for an adult daughter or maybe even a granddaughter who's got a, a tough relationship with mom or grandma to say, okay, well, if you are willing to take the first step, and I know there are a lot of parents who are saying, well, why do I have to take the first step? And I'm thinking, you're well, the
3: parent. <laughs> well,
0: and, and and last time I checked, there's that Bible verse. God so loved the world that he took the first step. Yeah. He was the one who initiated. Even though we did everything wrong and we are the sinful ones who need redemption, that first step coming from the parent we have a model you know i mean yeah. quite frankly and 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 so if we don't follow that i mean that i, I don't want to take the air out of somebody's balloon if you're having a good pity party over the fact that you know you have a strained relationship <laughs> with your adult children but I hate to break it to you i preach it to the choir too uh but that's that's on us becky harling is with me today here on the bottom line rooted joy is up at the show.com, prioritizing your connection to christ and your friends and that's where that link is uh, becky you've got a couple minutes left in the conversation here What was it about Paul's words to the church at Philippi that got you thinking, okay, this is also specifically God's word to women in particular here in the 21st century for such a time as this to be the the basis, if you will?
3: You know, as you read the book of Philippians, and I had taught it many times before writing this book, but Paul was in prison. Many of us felt like we were in prison during COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, we were on house lockdown, very similar to Paul. At least we could do like a target pickup. He couldn't do that, you know, (laughs)
0: Right, but
3: but, um, and we had Amazon. But, uh, you know, we were we felt like we were in in prison, maybe. And I began to think, you know, Paul. Yeah, he was in prison, but he actually had a lot of joy. And I was seeing on social media a lot of messages that seemed like people had lost their joy. You know, this is horrible. Uh, I was hearing all kinds of bad stuff. And it's like, guys, this isn't that bad. It's it's awful that people are dying and That was sad. So, yes, we mourn that loss. However, we can have joy because generations before us have been in prison. They've gone through hardship and they they have somehow come out with joy that's resilient. Mm. And so I wanted to lead women to the fact that, look, it joy does isn't just based on your outward circumstances. It's based on how deep your connection with Christ is and how deep your connection with others is.
0: Mm. Well, and that, and that is such a perfect summary of what you've written about and what you've created for women to have these uh, girlfriend groups, girlfriend gatherings. Girlfriend on,
3: gatherings, yeah. Okay, girlfriend
0: gatherings. Obviously, I won't be invited, but... Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Because the, for, the, for women to get together and have really the opportunity to experience the joy of godly friendships and know that there's more to it than just getting in good with girlfriends at church, but rather to say, hey, let's let's reprioritize who Jesus is, who God is, what scripture means to us. And maybe there's a season now where we don't necessarily always go to the big event, but rather we make that event happen kind of first century church style in our own homes. Becky Harling's book, Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we'll be giving away a copy at the end of the conversation here. But first, let me say thank you, Becky, for the book. And thanks for the fantastic conversation today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been a real joy.
0: Well, what an encouraging conversation with Becky Harling today here on The Bottom Line. That book again, the title, it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. The book is called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. We have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And as I said earlier, not one, not two, but three copies of this book to give away. Uh, Ladies, you're going to love this. Uh, Guys, the women in your world are going to love this book. So be a hero and pick up the phone right now and give Crystal a call. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the phone of the book you're going to be asking about is Becky Harling's outstanding work called Rooted Joy: Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have three copies of Becky's book to give away. We'll take a quick break and when we come back, uh, some final thoughts from yours truly with regard to this whole issue of being rooted in Christ and why friendships really matter. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. 2229 Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Becky Harling for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. A great new book is called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've also got a link for Becky's info as well. We've got three copies of this book to give away and would love to place one in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Um, you know, it's interesting, but I think about this book and I think about this concept here too. A lot of people, when you look at this, it's a kind of a Bible study, if you will, based on the book of Philippians, Paul's church to the letter at Philippi. And oftentimes we think of the really great, powerful, uh, expressions of faith that we find in Philippians, so Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Uh, Philippians 3:14 is that, you know, I, I press on toward the prize and Paul has the image of our Christian faith being the runner who is so focused on the finish line that they've literally kind of squinted their vision so they can't see anything else but the finish line. And not that we want to be, you know, uh, avoiding other people in relationships. Obviously, relationships are key. But, you know, the crux of what's going on here is that focus, that intensity. And then, of course, you know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, Philippians 4.13, people love that passage, as do I. But at the beginning, I believe it's of what we would call chapter four of the book of Philippians, we find out exactly why Paul wrote the book in the first place. And it's interesting because the church at Philippi, Philippi was a strategic location. It was an area, as I recall, that had a certain measure of wealth or access to trading. It was a good, if you were a church planter, as we were talking with Dr. Dan Elgar about this uh, earlier this week. Uh, if you were a church planter, you would say strategically, worldly-wise, that was a good place to go. Good land, good location, good commerce, whatever. But the church at Philippi was having trouble not because of that kind of wealth, but because there was a squabble between a couple of women in the congregation. Now, a couple of gals or maybe a couple of guys having an argument in the church congregation is really nothing new, but we miss a lot of what Paul's wisdom is kind of flowing from if we forget the fact that he's giving us these fabulous powerful biblical truths and it's all in the context of oh by the way ladies you need to figure this out you really do need to sort this out so it's amazing to me how God can be so practical and so eternal all at the same time he really does place a high priority on relationships between us as people but also between him and us that's how we demonstrate the fact that we are abiding in him and that is good news indeed, and that is the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your weekend, actually, Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next, and of course, don't forget Bottom Line Show Extra coming your way tonight on KCBC at 7 p.m. Pacific time. For those who remain on the network, a Good News Friday story about a church that's making a bold statement to share the good news of the gospel. It's something that used to be something that was very commonplace, but now it's becoming a bit more rare. So why is the Hilltop Baptist Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania building a big old cross? We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show, or maybe I should say welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. Uh, Either way, we've been doing Good News for the longest time on Fridays. And, you know, it, it, I, I love doing these stories. I love the recommendations that we get from people who write to us. You can always drop us a line. Uh, just write to roger at thebottomlineshow.com and we'll get the, uh, Tamara goes through all the email. And uh, it's amazing to me. I always say this and I mean this most sincerely. I love the emails we get, whether they are, uh, you know, way to go, Boy. I'm glad you talked about this, or... Uh, Why didn't you talk about this? That's always a fair question. There are a number of topics that we do or don't talk about on the Bottom Line Show for a variety of different reasons. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would like to vent about the Dodgers and the Sisters of Indulgence situation. And we could probably spend hours on the phone talking about that. But I'll tell you where the, the litmus test for me, first and foremost, and this has become stronger even in the past couple of years, is what are we doing to lead people closer to Christ? And oftentimes we kind of get lost in the weeds of the cultural events. It's important to know about them. But let's face it, you and I have done this before. You've gotten on your phone or your social media device and you're just trying to kill some time and next thing you know, an hour has gone by and you really don't know what you did with the time. Now, that's kind of mindless. They call it zombie scrolling in the, uh, in the media world. But how many times do we get stuck on a certain issue where we have to try to win a war i mean let's be honest are we going to lead more people to christ by fighting the la dodgers over pride night in two weeks i mean some some people are going to go to the game they're going to wear uh you know scripture verses on their shirts they might get uh, you know people are offended by it whatever if that's what god's calling you to do go do it by all means my position here has become especially over the past couple of years Look at the parable of the wheat and the weeds and the wheat and the tares. Look at the wheat that's growing and say, isn't it great that the wheat is growing? Look at the weeds that are growing in the culture and say, yeah, there are weeds growing in the culture, but what does Jesus instruct his disciples to do in the parable? The first question they ask is, Master, should we take the weeds out of the garden? He says, no, we're going to let it all grow up. We're all going to get to the point where we harvest both of them, and then there will be a separation. Because when you think about it, in the example of scripture, the bearded darnel is toxic. It looks just like wheat until the head finally bursts forth, and then you see the bearded part of the bearded darnel, and it really is toxic, and people will get nauseous, maybe even get sick. They might even die breathing in those fumes. In other words, we can't handle how bad the sin is in our natural selves. But you know who can is the one who grows the wheat. And our job is not to try to pluck the weeds out of all, every single weed out of the garden. I mean, it's a sinful world that we're going to have weeds growing forever until the Lord returns. Our job is to sow the seed. And so we continue to sow the seed. So if it's to sow the seed at a pride baseball night where a bunch of people are there and you might find some brothers or sisters who were very strong in their faith and they turned away and now they're celebrating, quote unquote, uh, homosexual pride or whatever, then go and preach the gospel there. Do that if God's calling you to do it. Boycott the Dodgers, uh, I mean, y- you could, you can. I mean, my friend, Dr. Andy Garrett is one of the 57 grandchildren of Carl Karcher. And Andy would tell you, I'm, I, I've heard Carl Karcher say, because as he used to say when he was with us, um, hey, you know, if you don't like my pro-life views, he was a father of 12, grandfather of 57, so Carl Karcher was very much pro-life and there were a lot of uh, pro-abortion advocates who would show up at the Carl's Jr. headquarters, not too far from the k Bright studios here. And they'd pick it and protest and try to block people from getting in the restaurant. And Carl Carter's response was, hey, if you don't like what I'm doing with my politics or my faith or my family, don't spoil it for the people who don't care or they do care and that's why they want to eat here. If you don't like the way I do my stuff, don't buy my food. That'll get my attention straight away. We have to ask the question, is it worth the attention that we're going to draw? So I was intrigued with this story. It's a Good News Friday story, I think, because it is a, uh, a Baptist congregation that uh, is in Indiana, Pennsylvania. I still don't understand how that's legal to name a city after another state, but nonetheless, Hilltop Baptist Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. It's just north of Pittsburgh, in case you're wondering. They decided that they wanted to make a stand, for their faith in Christ. And so on church property, they began to build a cross, a big cross, a very tall cross. How tall you ask? 108 feet tall. That's how high it goes. Now, basically it is, uh, ostensibly this is something that was all raised, literally raised from the ground with donated funds. They're using a lot of volunteer help, and they're hoping that having a big cross will be a beacon for evangelism. Uh, Pastor Jack Lucas is the pastor of Hilltop Baptist Church, and he said his congregation is building the cross, quote, to share the hope of Jesus Christ and to remind folks that God loves us and loves them. He says he hopes that the cross will become a quiet place of spiritual contemplation where people, quote, can come and sit and pray and just think. He says, this is a traditional church. We sing traditional hymns. We use the King James Version of the Bible. Whether you are young or old, you will discover warm and friendly people at Hilltop Baptist Church. Now, there was a, unless you were wondering, there was a 40-foot cross in Fayette County, also in Pennsylvania, This one will be the tallest cross in Pennsylvania. And perhaps you remember the church at Katy Community Fellowship in Texas that put in a 45-foot tall cross as the first step to creating what they called a prayer park. Uh, Katy Community Fellowship Pastor Tim Barker told the Christian Post that the cross of the prayer park were meant to be, quote, a beacon of hope and a reminder of God's love for them. Now, this cross, though, at Hilltop Baptist Church Uh, now becomes, I believe, one of the largest crosses in the United States of America. It is not the largest cross in the world, though, by the way, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the tallest freestanding cross of the world is located at the Valley of the Fallen in Madrid. Uh, It's a stone monument, 500 feet in height. It stands above an underground church and tomb there in Spain. So that is the the tallest freestanding cross of the world that's not attached to anything else. But now you've got the uh, hilltop Baptist Church with a 108 foot cross, and I think this is kind of poetic in a way. They began building the church a little while ago and they expect to finish construction on Sunday, June 18th. Sunday June 18th of course, this year is Father's Day. and what uh, I can think of no better expression of the father's love for all of us by sending his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, we could celebrate Earthly Father's Day on June 18th but Hilltop Baptist Church will be celebrating Heavenly Father's Day as well with the dedication of this new cross. We'll put a picture of it up at the comments. It's very, very dramatic. It's very, very compelling. As we continue here on this Good News Friday, another Good News Friday story about a man who was called into ministry locally here, Calvary Chapel, Riverside, which is now, of course, a Harvest Christian Fellowship with Greg Laurie, and a guy who was a later in life convert to Christ who now has spent the past 25 years doing full-time mission work. Michael Parks is the director of Frontier Partnership Inter- of Frontier Partners International based in Monument, Colorado. And it's an agency that's dedicated to bringing the presence of Christ and the gospel into the lives of people who are suffering, especially those who are suffering in crisis mode. We're going to get a, an update on what Michael Parks is up to coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show, and it's good to get to know know, Michael Parks because this is a guy who has a connection that does um, so much, uh, literally a world of good, but also has a Southern California background to it, but also a, uh, a Colorado background to it as well and so of course it's the bottom line show is broadcasting in both of those areas I figured he's a perfect guy to bring on board Michael Parks is the founder of Frontier Partners International which is an international agency dedicated to bringing the presence of Jesus and his gospel into the lives of those who are suffering from crises and they primarily focus on uh, the least reached and the unreached communities not necessarily underreached, but those who are just completely in many accounts uh deemed not reachable or just people aren't able to reach them michael parks welcome to the bottom line show today
4: well roger thank you very much it's a real pleasure to be
0: here i appreciate what your your transparency and sharing your story uh simply because i mentioned the southern california connection the monument connection um you came to faith and were called to ministry while attending a local church here that many of our Bottom Line Show listeners are very familiar with. Tell us what happened back in August of 1981 besides MTV going on the air. That was monumental also, but there was something else, perhaps even more monumental for kingdom purposes that happened with you in your life.
4: Right. Well, in 1981, I got called to ministry. I was actually saved in Riverside in 1967, but that's okay. a different story. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but in 1981, I, the Lord called me to service at Calvary Chapel Riverside, which is, is today known as Harvest Christian Fellowship. Right. And, and a lot of people are familiar with Greg Laurie and, and he mm-hmm. his, his message. Uh, I, I'd never heard the gospel preached clearly, and he taught out of the book of Ephesians in chapter four, August 23rd of 1981. And I was so floored that I could understand the Bible. I got all excited and went back. I was at the time an engineer at a Boeing airplane company. And I went back to Wichita, Kansas, where I was working. And I found a little church, a little Calvary Chapel there. And I started just going to church and telling people about Jesus and
0: mm, haven't stopped it. since then. I love it. Now that that was, I'm sure for you, you thought this is great. I have a ministry now. My ministry is to share with other people here in Wichita. You know what's going on. It's Matthew twenty-eight. It's Mark sixteen. I'm good. And that was basically your ministry life until around the turn of <laughs> this. I always remember my grandparents using this frame phrase around the turn of the century. But around the turn <laughs> of the twenty-first century, that was really when God said, "Okay, now I want to take you full time into mission work." Talk about what that was like.
4: Absolutely, I thought I was going to be a pastor. I was going to be a pastor, teacher, and I was going to have a church there in Wichita. And then, and, uh but I started doing mission work. And every time I in in, in eighty in eighty four, I was going to Mexico and the Philippines, and then I was going, smuggling Bibles into China. And then I, every just wanted to go further out. Started working in the mid nineties in Southern Sudan during the war, and I saw the sickest, uh, the most uh, emaciated children. Mm. Uh, and people literally dying in, in, a, in just right alongside of us uh, as we were trying to see them at medical clinics, and and it uh, broke my heart for the desperately suffering. Then in 1999, uh, the Lord called me to full time missions. I quit my job at Boeing, mm. I left the local ministry, I went to Kosovo where there was a war at the time, and right. I and then when the war ended, I went into Kosovo and lived with a Muslim Albanian family. And we help repatriate uh, refugees in a small village north of the capital of Pristina. Hmm. And uh, that's that's how it started. And I have and I can't been going since then.
0: <laughs> I'm talking with Michael Parks today here on The Bottom Line. He's the director of Frontier Partners International, which is based in Monument, Colorado. Now, FrontierPartners.org is the website. And we'll let that link up at TheBottomLineShow.com. What a risk. I mean, and I, I realized that. It's easy looking back now to see, obviously, God's hand was all over it, Michael. But here you are, you're uh, you're well established in years, you're well established in your career, you're well established in your ministry base in Wichita, and God calls you to these short term, and then eventually to full time. What was it that, like, at this point, was there a family involved yet? Did Sherry come into the picture? Just yet, your lovely wife.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I have my lovely wife Sherry, and I have we have five uh, wonderful kids. With oh, and awesome. uh, what what happened was I I 19, I went went to Kosovo, came back, and uh, then the next the following year two thousand Sherry and I got married, and I just swept her out of Kansas and we started traveling. Yeah, right
0: 20, yeah. 20, literally swept her off 20, her feet <laughs> and onto a plane. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> 24, 20,
4: 23 years and a million miles. And, oh, uh, I love and, it. you know, since then uh, she's raised their kids and been just a great support. And, and then, and, and I just don't know another woman who would allow her husband, because since then I've been in Af- working, we've had operations in Afghanistan and Darfur Sudan, uh, and today Lebanon and Kurdistan Iraq. And so, uh, and other places, um, It's just been an incredible journey and, and the life the Lord has given us.
0: Talk about what you do through Frontier Partners, because obviously you went as a missionary first, and then the the ministry Frontier Partners International kind of was birthed out of that. Oftentimes, when we hear about people who are doing quote unquote mission work or relief work, um, we we kind of have a vague idea here in the states. Oh, we raise money, we send it with these people. They bring Bibles or whatever it is. Talk about the kind of on the ground work that you're doing, because I'm getting the impression, Michael, that first and foremost you're you're reaching the unreachable or the unreached with some really basic needs, I mean, first and foremost, before you come in with a full-blown Bible study pitch.
4: Absolutely. You know, the, the old saying that people want to know how much they, you care before they care about how much you know.
0: Exactly. Uh,
4: we, we enter into crisis, uh, some, some uh, pretty desperate uh, crises, and we love people when meeting their basic physical, emotional needs. Uh, and uh, regardless of their religion, uh, and of course, if we're reaching unreached unengaged people, that's got to be the case. And we just help them. And through the course of our time there, we don't, we don't. It may sound strange, but we don't proselytize. We mm. help them, and we love them, and we bring the presence of Jesus right into their lives and show them that God loves them. And show, and then as we do that, they begin to wonder, why are we there? What are we doing? We keep helping them and getting them through and helping them improve their lives through uh, long-term development as we develop those relationships. And we we work alongside, one thing's very important, we work alongside local or national, regional believers, believers from those regions, uh, if there are any. And, uh, and, and then we begin just sharing the gospel from our actions. You know, uh, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they glorify mm-hmm. your Father in heaven. And so that's what we do. And uh, yeah, so we've been able to do that in a number of places uh, where there has been no church and others where the church is is somewhere in the region. We can can bring them in. Other places like Darfur, Afghanistan, when we went there, there was no church. Uh, When we left, there was.
0: Mm, I love that. Michael Parks is with me today here on the bottom line. He's the director of Frontier Partners International, which is based in Monument. And uh, we've got a link for Frontierpartners.org up at the bottom um, talk about the 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 different backgrounds you mentioned that you're going into places where literally this isn't like hey we're organizing mission trips for an existing church you know that's here it may be small but it's it, it's struggling but it's we're here to kind of support them in many cases you're coming in and doing disaster relief you know you're doing skills training you're doing you're, you're meeting people with some basic needs and yet there's a commonality I was thinking of the work that you do with the Yazidis for example and how a few years ago there was kind of a big push in the Islamic community to really hassle if not torment and uh, persecute Yazidis yes. who are, they're Muslim, right? <laughs> but Nonetheless, they've got other Muslims coming after them. What a great witness. How do you strategically work alongside these folks? I'm sure there are some Christians who might say, gosh, Michael, wouldn't it be better to come in and just let's preach the gospel first, as opposed to saying, hey, let's work on some skills. And let, uh, to your point, you know, saying right. people are interested in how much you care rather than how much you know.
4: Well, yeah, so in, in Kurdistan, Iraq, in the northern northern part of Iraq where the Kurdish people live, the Yazidi people are a, a, actually a religion in itself. It's a 3,000-year-old monotheistic religion that, these, that these Sunnis, the Sunnis call them the devil worshippers, and so they want to commit genocide. And the Yazidis mm-hmm. will say that they've tried to commit genocide against us 73 times. This was not the first time it happened and so they attacked the Yazidis as well as Christians and others but then you remember the story where they took so many women sold them and it was a horrible horrible story um and and so God God put it on my heart to go there and to begin helping them and and so we connected with a uh, very uh, small uh yet growing evangelical community and began helping the Yazidi people uh reestablish their lives and when we went in, it was, uh, like I said, we don't proselytize. And my friend even said, we don't want to preach religion at them. We want to help them because they've been, they've been persecuted in the name of religion. Right. So, um, we, we just love men to, and today there's, there's, there are Yazidi believers. We're very careful with that. Mm-hmm. We're sensitive to the difficulties that they experience, uh, through this, uh, um, you know, so, uh, but today we have we have great relations. Actually, after almost nine years now, they become my friends. And and the leader we we minister about two hundred families. And the leader of that community actually named one of his children after me.
2: Oh wow! Well,
0: that's, I,
4: I <laughs> that's say, special. I couldn't even get my own wife to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. Michael Parks is with me today here on The Bottom Line, the director of Frontier Partnerships International. We've got a link for their website up at thebottomlineshow.com. Just getting to know uh, you and your ministry and a delightful conversation here. Um, Talk about some ways tangibly now that people uh, here in the States are coming to get to know what your ministry is all about. I mean, you're always, I'm sure, looking for people to make that same step that you did, although those many years ago, but I'm sure awareness and education is uh, kind of the first you know, foray into partnership with you?
4: Well, I would say, first of all, pray. Um, you know, uh, prayer is so important because we our, our struggle is spiritual, uh, ultimately. And uh, even as we do physical and mental and trauma counseling and those sort of things, it's uh, the, the, the prayer is number one. I, I think also that people can go to our website and become Knowledgeable on what we're doing and pray. And, you know, of course, is and as as with everything, it, it takes money and and partnership financially is a is a big part of what happens and and so uh, people can go on and and select. Uh, there's a number of programs that they could select from because we we are working in across the Middle East in Syria, in uh, in Jordan and in, in Iraq in Turkey uh, as well as in Afghanistan and Nepal. So. We have a lot of operations going on, a lot of things in each of those countries. And so uh, I, I think some of these things would excite certain people and mm-hmm. want to be a part of that.
0: How confident are you, Michael Parks, as we look at the days? Uh, it, there, it doesn't seem to be a day or at least a week that goes by here in the States where my wife and I don't look at it. One of us looks at the other and says, he's coming sooner than we think. I mean, you know, we would see the world moving in that direction. What encourages you about the fruits that you're seeing uh god bringing to harvest if you will in the areas where frontier partners international is working
4: well absolutely you know i mean i i just got done where we're actually responding to an earth the earthquake in turkey we work in syria wars and and rumors of wars uh Earthquakes, natural disasters abound, persecution is on the rise. It's very difficult, but at the same time, I, in all my 40 years of ministry, have never seen a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I want the believers to be encouraged because I, I always say, I as a pastor, I want my people here in my country to be encouraged to to use what God has given them to get out there and get the job done. Because we are, I truly do believe these are the last days. Um, if if I live and go go home to the Lord, and the world's still here, so be it. But I think that these days we are seeing so many through dreams and visions, through mm-hmm. through the witness of the church and. My our, our Christians like our guy in Afghanistan who goes to the remote regions to minister to one or two or three believers. Uh, they're they're just out there, and 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 we're not alone in this. So a lot of times we look and we become myopic, uh, you know, culturally myopic, and and yet out there the world is on fire,
0: mm. and
4: we got a chance to. And, and more, I think more than ever. Uh, we have a chance to engage in, in an appropriate way uh, to engage these peoples, these people groups, these, and, and encourage the believers. One thing, real quick, I just want to know: we we very much uh, uh, a big part of FTI is working with the local church. So we're we're actually translating materials into the Kurdish language, so right. sound biblical teaching that's very lacking, and we're we're getting it across into a close another closed country. Uh, we also hold pastors conferences coming up uh, this fall we, we, to encourage the pastors to stay and to don't leave, don't
1: yes.
0: quit,
4: because yes. they're under so much stress and so much uh, uh, pressure.
0: Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, we think there's pastoral burnout here. Can you imagine the pressure? These new pastors mm-hmm. and these new churches and these new locations where they're constantly under <clears throat> physical attack as well as spiritual attack, and Michael Parks in Frontier Partners International are doing the heavy lifting to help support them and undergird them as well. Michael Parks, Director of Frontier Partners International. Frontierpartners.org is the website where you can learn more about this great organization. And we have a link up at show.com as well. Michael, great to get to know you, sir. Thanks for the great work that you're doing with FPI. And thank you for being with us today here on the Bottom Line Show.
4: Of course, of course. Thank you, Rogers. Thank you very much.
0: Well, it's great to get to know you, Michael. Good, good conversation too. Michael Parks, the director of Frontier, Partnership Interna- Frontier Partners International, and we've got a link to their website up at thebottomlineshow.com. Some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him, but. The first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, You know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now, they've had the ultrasound, you've seen the picture, you've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption it cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically but your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into pre-born health clinics give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says "Preborn." cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket or give a gift over the phone 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn. Make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year. So give a gift right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Whether it's the Hilltop Baptist Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania, building a 108-foot cross as a place to just kind of come and think and remember and reflect. Or Michael Parks of the friends at Frontier Partners International going into Kosovo and Afghanistan and all over the world. This is a guy who was an engineer in Kansas up until the early 1980s. God led him to Calvary Chapel Riverside, now Harvest Christian Fellowship. He heard the gospel proclaimed by the one and only Greg Laurie and wound up eventually going into full-time ministry. But this is the good news of the gospel. Yes, we are sinful fallen people born into a sinful fallen world and apart from christ there is no hope but the good news of the gospel is this regardless of the drag queen story hours and the sisters of perpetual indulgence and and uh, target with lgbt pride month and uh, the, the people who are spending the month of june trying to tell everyone that what god said was not normal and was an abomination to him is somehow the way it is that it could never change the good news is as long as you have breath in your lungs and you could receive the gift of faith you could receive the gift of salvation and profess with your mouth that Jesus is not only your Savior, but also your Lord. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line.